0: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network. Your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Laney. Skills writer for the sportsdaily.com and cheese. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese and Football for Idiots, a brand new podcast now. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football, guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp. We've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJLahey or at Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com before we jump into our hot topic of the day, which we interrupted so we could start recording because we were just off on such a tear. Oh, such a great conversation. I hope <laughs> we can get right back into it. Before we do that, I do have to report on our poll, our poll results from last week's uh, debate. This was pain, <laughs> painful. Um, I don't know that uh, I don't know. I, I, I picked well when I tried to defend Mike Smith as the most important position coach on the Packers um, coaching staff and listen I was arguing from the heart I really believed it but the listeners did not buy it they sided right. with you 76.5 percent with Adam Stenovich so wow kicked wow. my butt
1: well it's and... about time so
0: <laughs> uh, still hurt though still hurt
1: you you were on a streak I had to, I had to put an end to it so
0: All right, so what we're going to be talking about uh, at the end of today's episode, we're going to debate when will the Packers' first loss come. And obviously, a bunch of that is going to hinge on who the quarterback is. And so we're going to be talking about quarterbacks today. This is uh, the second part of our position-by-position review of the Packers' roster. We started with running backs and tight ends last week. We're going to do quarterbacks this week. And uh, I think we're also going to touch on the 53-man prediction. Uh, I kind of outlined mine, and I think it'll be interesting to go through kind of the bottom of that of that uh, chart at each position and see, you know, who do we think is going to make the cut? But we got to start out, obviously, with quarterbacks. So we got, what, five quarterbacks on the roster right now, which is kind of unheard of in Green Bay. You got you got your big two Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love behind them. Blake Bortles, very well known. Kurt Benkert, already a fan favorite. Uh, I think Benkert fever is in full effect on Packers social media. And I got to admit, I'm, I am dug in. (laughs) I love Kurt Benkert. I think he's a blast. I really hope that he um, sticks around Green Bay for a long time. And then bringing up the rear, you got Jake Dolagala. So we're going to talk about these guys uh, because I think a lot of people don't know a lot about those last three players or their playing styles. I think that will be interesting to get into. And obviously the biggest question here is, Who's QB1? Is it – give me your your quick two cents. When do you think we're going to get an answer to the Aaron Rodgers, you know, situation? I
1: think he's actually going to report to the first day of training camp. I think he will be there on time, and he will rejoin the Green Bay Packers and play there this season. It may be his last season in Green Bay, but I think he will be there on time to start training camp.
0: Now, why do you think he's going to be there day one of training camp? What what stuff has happened recently that makes you think that way?
1: I think the fact that he said, I'm going to take a week or two now to sort of figure things out, tells me that, you know, he and and, and that quote, along with a number of other people who are allegedly close to Rogers, saying, yeah, this can be worked out uh I just am getting the feeling that more and more it's looking like a reconciliation is likely between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers front office.
0: I got to admit, I agree. Actually. I really, for a long time, I thought it was going to be like week two of training camp, but his recent comments, look, I, I just think the Packers called his bluff. I think that he thought, cause he had won MVP and, had this crazy good season. I think that he thought he had more leverage than he did. And I think he went in and made his demands and probably asked to be traded and whatever. And I think, uh, I think Goody and Murphy said, well, you know, we uh, are sorry to hear that you feel this way. We love you. You've been here for a really long time and, yeah, you know, we really wish you'd come back and play for us, but you got to do what you got to do. So good luck in retirement. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. you don't understand. I don't I want to be traded. And they're like, no, not doing that. Um, It would really suck if you weren't here playing for us. But what's what would suck even more is playing against you. We're not doing that. We're not giving you up. Um, You will have a home here as long as you want to play here. We'd love to have you come lead our team to a Super Bowl this year. We think we're really close. We definitely think you are the key to making that tick. But we are not going to play against you. That's idiotic on our part. We would not survive that. Absolutely no way in the world are we trading you this year. Mm -hmm. So I I think that, you know, he was probably mad. I think he's stewed about it for a really long time. But, you know, he went down to Hawaii, had himself a nice, good time. He's been going all over the country, doing cool stuff, enjoying time with his fiance. I think he's had time to cool off and recognize, look, if I want to play football this year, I only got one team that I can play for. And it's a team that really could make it to the Super Bowl. They probably have the single best roster in the league. It's an offense that I really like. Defense looks like it's probably going to get better. They might have some growing pains along the way, but they look like they're going to be a lot better than they were. Uh, I like the new rookies that they brought in. I just think that uh, his recent comments, you know, at the celebrity golf thing where he's talking to Tom Brady and said, Hey, look, I, you know, I never said I hate my boss, whatever, and saying, yeah, I'm going to take a couple weeks and get this figured out. I think you're right. I, I think that uh, he was really dug in and I think he realized he doesn't have a ton of options anymore.
1: Yeah. And I, I think one other thing just to add to your thinking, not that I'm contradicting you, I think I'm just sort of supplementing it, is that the front office realized that they would not benefit in any way by saying they were open to trading him because it would lower, if they're forced to trade him, it lowers the market. And if they end up having to trade him, they are better off saying, we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. But if you bowl us over with an offer, maybe, maybe you could, you know, convince us to do it. So I I, I think, you know, they put pressure on Rodgers and put uh, pressure on other teams to drive the market up by refusing to trade him at least publicly and I think that was a smart move by the front office of the Green Bay Packers.
0: I guess I guess that does make a lot of sense. I also I I, I said, you know, so obviously the Rodgers news broke on draft day and I think I said on draft day and repeated it the following day, if you want to trade Rodgers, you have to do it before the draft happens or you got to wait till next year because I just don't think that number one, the market isn't there for him anymore. Look, the, the jets have Zach Wilson. I'm not convinced he's going to, you know, well, I guess that's not really relevant for the Packers talk, but the (laughs) jets have Zach Wilson. The 49ers went out and got Trey Lance. Those are two teams that I think would have not that the Packers would ever have traded him to the 49ers, but those are two teams that would have really wanted Rodgers. They don't have a need for that anymore. And they don't have anything they can pay the Packers with anymore. I, I don't think that, I don't think that anybody out there can actually pay what the Packers feel Rodgers is worth, even if they were interested in moving on from him right now. I think I, I still think that it is likely that they are going to be considering moving on from him after this season. But even if they were willing to move on from him right now, I think that whoever is buying is getting Rodgers at a big discount because the market is too, you know, there's no market for him right now just because nobody can pay. Nobody has the assets to give up what the Packers would actually want. If you're looking at other players, well, the Packers have to find a way to pay those players.
1: Yeah, it, it it's definitely a problem. You're better off getting draft picks and maybe one, you know, player, whether that's a quarterback who can bridge between the departure of Rodgers and when Jordan Love is ready. Uh, but you want predominantly draft picks, so that helps the Packers cap situation, which after next season is really going to be tight. There's a lot of issues involved it is obviously cleaner to deal him after this season, if they're going to deal him. And it also gives Jordan love a full year of practice as QB two, some preseason games, a lot more reps work with the coaches and gets him ready. If they have to move on from Rogers, the, the odds of love being ready in 2022 are significantly better than how ready he'd be. If he has to start this year in September.
0: And by the way, I think we're both really encouraged by what we have seen out of love this off season in terms of his growth from a year ago. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I take it with a grain of salt. We saw OTAs in June, no, no pads, no contact, you know, all of that. But yes, I think he's definitely making progress and that's encouraging. Look, he is talented. There is even the people who said they don't like the pick. Don't deny his talent. The question is how long would it take him to be ready and whether or not it was the right time to draft his potential successor, Aaron Rodgers' potential successor. But I don't think anybody out there is saying that Jordan Love doesn't have the potential to be a solid NFL starting quarterback someday. There are very few people who believe that prior to the draft.
0: Let me ask you a question. And you and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, Week one, let's say that Rodgers really doesn't show up. Uh, what do you think are the chances that Jordan Love does not start, that the Packers throw Blake Bortles out there week one instead? What do you think are the chances of that? And if they did, what are the reasons?
1: Well, the the obvious reason would be injury. But to, if you take that out of the equation, the reason would be that Jordan Love in training camp and in preseason, he, he's not shaky. He's downright dreadful. I mean, he just
0: we're talking hypothetically. We're not saying right. We're talking
1: yeah. hypothetically. Right. So the only way to me that Blake Bortles starts is either by injury or Jordan Love proves not even like it wouldn't even be like he was shaky. He has to be so not ready for prime time that it's obvious to even someone who knows nothing about football that he's not the answer this year at quarterback. He would have to really be terrible. And I don't think that's going to happen. Now, if he stumbles, you know, for the first two or three or four games and, and and he's struggling, maybe to try to salvage the season, then you make a move. But to me, opening day, if there is no Aaron Rodgers on the roster, Jordan Love is, I would say, 85% likely to be the starting quarterback if he's healthy.
0: And we're going to get a very clear answer, I think, to um, whether or not he's terrible in those three preseason games. Right. Now, Blake Bortles is an interesting guy to talk about because whether or not Rodgers is back, I think you're still really interested in knowing what you have in Bortles because I think that it's not at all hard to imagine, especially at at Rodgers age, that you could be looking at a situation where you're hoping that you have a guy who can come in like Nick Foles did for the Eagles And finish out a year strong because of injury to your starting quarterback. Now, Bortles has an interesting history. And I I think everybody, for the most part, is aware of this. But let's just remind ourselves. Not only did he work with Nathaniel Hackett, our offensive coordinator, back in Jacksonville to mm, less than stellar results. But not only does he have that familiarity there with Hackett, um, he also went and played in this same kind of offense for Sean McVeigh. He was the backup uh, last year to Jared Goff. And something interesting about Blake Bortles, um, one of the... This is not going to thrill people. It didn't thrill me. But one of the comps that you would see um, from analysts in the draft who were not real high on Jordan Love was Blake Bortles. <laughs> and and I, I think you can see some of the similarities there. You got to you have to look at Love's college career with some perspective of they were down a lot against better teams in 2019. I think that LSU game is kind of the one that most people have seen and Love looked pretty dreadful in that, but he's also, he's playing hero ball. He's throwing up all these 50, 50 balls because they're down, you know, 20, 30 points. And what's it matter? You know, you're going to lose and the only chance you're going to win is is through some freak heroics, and he's putting up these, you know, balls that, look, you put up a 50-50 ball to Siasi Mariner, the, uh, the uh, Utah's wide, wide receiver, up against LSU's cornerbacks. It's going to get intercepted. That talent uh, deficit is just not even fair. And, right, and, and,
1: and, he, it, and that wouldn't be the case in Green Bay. If you're throwing to Devontae Adams, sure. that's not the same kind of a matchup that you would have as you had at Utah State versus LSU.
0: There's another comparison between the two guys that I think is um, not being thought about a lot, and that is Bortles actually is – he's got some um, – uh, what do you call it? He, he can run a bit. What's the word I'm looking for? Mobility. Mobility. Thank you. He's got some mobility to him, and you don't think about that with Bortles very much, but he's, he's kind of squirrely in that pocket. And I think you look at Jordan Love. He's not a runner in the way that uh, Lamar Jackson is, in the way that Russell Wilson is. But I think he's, you know, he can scramble around the way that Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes can, where they can still hurt you. You don't want to overlook what their feet can do if you take away all their throwing options. And I think Blake Bortles has some of that as well. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's so interesting. You have three quarterbacks in that room who all share a lot of similarities at, I think, three distinct talent levels in Rodgers, Love, and Bortles. I think they're all big gaps in between each other but you can run the same kind of offense through all three of them.
1: And that makes sense. I mean, if if you're Matt LaFleur and you want to run your style of offense, having quarterbacks with similar skill sets helps you have a certain amount of consistency in training camp, in practice, in games, game planning. It it makes sense for the team to do that. You know, if you have a backup quarterback whose skill set is drastically different, like you you mentioned Lamar Jackson, there's nobody else who has his skill set, and you go to your backup quarterback, you got to do things differently because nobody else can do what Lamar Jackson does. Uh, So I I think having guys with similar skill sets for an offensive guy like Matt LaFleur makes a lot of sense.
0: And, you know, to the Lamar Jackson point, you know who's been his backup for the last few years? RG3. Right. And obviously that's super intentional. I think uh, Harbaugh, similar to LaFleur, just really understands that, look, I want even if it's not the same talent level, because obviously I'm not going to get the same talent level. I want the same style of player so I can at least still run the same offense through and not make everybody else do extra work to try and run an offense we never run.
1: No, it it, it makes sense from a coach's perspective. Absolutely.
0: All right. Question for you. If Rogers does show up for uh, day one of training camp and it's business as usual, what percentage of snaps do you think love gets in the preseason games. Do you think that Bortles and Benkert and maybe even Dola get more than like 5% of the, of the snaps in those preseason games, or do you think they still majority go to love? Cause we know, we know that if Rogers doesn't show up that LaFleur and Hackett and, um, uh, what's the last name of Luke? What's their quarterback coach? Getty Luke Getze, Thank you. I, I'm just not killing today with names. Um, <laughs> You know if Rodgers isn't back that they're going to give Love every single opportunity they possibly can. They're going to force-feed that ball through him.
1: Look, I I think if Rodgers is there, and you're talking preseason games, Rodgers is only going to play in one of the three preseason games, and he may only play a couple of series. I mean, I don't expect— I'm
0: not not asking about Rodgers playing preseason snaps. I'm asking about the other guys. I think,
1: regardless, Jordan Love is going to play at least a half of all of the preseason games and probably more than a half in one of them. And then maybe, uh, maybe the other two guys will get a quarter each. Uh, well, there'll be three other guys, but you know what? I, I also think this, if Rogers shows up on time for training camp, they'll cut one of the quarterbacks pretty early on. I think.
0: I, I think so too. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut two of them. I don't know that you are interested in, in, carrying four quarterbacks through there at that point, especially considering there's a possibility if Rodgers is back, there's a possibility because of all the extra guys they're going to want to keep at a lot of positions that they only run in, roll into the regular season with two quarterbacks on the roster. It would be a little bit unusual. So in the last 10 years, they have kept uh, two quarterbacks. um, See two times since, 20, from 2014 to 2020, they had two quarterbacks twice. Prior to that, from 2010 to 2013, they had two every year. But you had a lot of the years in there 2014, 15, 16, 18, and 2020 where they had three quarterbacks on the roster. But it's it's um, I guess it is it's half and half. I, I think that there's a really good chance that you only keep two on the active roster if rogers is one of them.
1: And I think that's true only because they'll keep at least one guy on the practice squad. And because of the more liberal practice squad rules that were introduced last year that are going to be in force again this year, that gives you a little bit more flexibility to carry a Bankert or one of those other younger quarterbacks on the practice squad and run from there. And, you know, he's still familiar with the system. And if somebody gets hurt, you you activate him and he's ready to go.
0: Let's talk about those other quarterbacks. We got Kurt Bankert. Um, NFL.com's draft profile of him says he's a gunslinger who holsters an NFL caliber right arm, and we've seen he's got a big right arm. Um, but he needs to work on his marksmanship and decision making. Banker right. Banker's completion totals are disappointing on intermediate throws, deep throws, and against the blitz. He has the arm talent to make all the throws, but hasn't shown signs of becoming accurate enough to ever be anything more than a backup at best. That's an underwhelming review from NFL.com for sure. Um, And I think
1: that's what we've seen so far in his career. He made the active roster one year, the practice squad last year. He is, at this point, a developmental quarterback at, at best. Now, that doesn't mean he cannot still develop into something more than that. But right now, I would say he is, you know, for most NFL teams, he would be their third quarterback.
0: He's a step down from, say, Tim Boyle. He's been in the league two years longer than Jordan Love, and when we call Benkert a developmental quarterback, we're using that term in a very different way than we are with Jordan Love. Right. You know, Benkert was undrafted. Jordan Love was a first-round pick. When we say Love is a developmental quarterback, we mean there are there were some serious flaws in his game coming out, and if you put him uh, under the correct tutelage and give him some time to develop, you think he can develop into one of the top quarterbacks in the or, or you think he can develop into a very capable starter and his ceiling, the talent ceiling he has clearly puts him up on, you know, the the the, the tier to maybe hit like Justin Herbert level uh, success. With Benker, right. I think you're hoping he can eventually turn into a Tim Boyle.
1: Yeah, I, th- I was just about to use that exact same example. Yeah, I, I think that his ceiling is to be a quality backup, to be a, a Tim Boyle. Or, uh, you know, a Ty Detmer, what he became in, in the 90s as a backup in the NFL and maybe a spot starter. His ceiling is probably uh, or Nick Foles, let's say, you know, that might be his ceiling where he's good to plug in for five games at a time. But if you're starting him long term, uh, you know, it's a little shaky.
0: All right. Let's let's turn our attention to the 53 because there's not a lot to say about Jake Dolagala. No. And, and we're running out of time here. I think this is going to be a more interesting conversation. So at quarterback, here's here's the question. Do we want to reserve three quarterback spots on this fifty three man roster or two?
1: Uh I'm gonna say they go with three.
0: I, I'm I'm saying three as well. I think if Rogers is back, I think uh there's a chance you still keep Bortles and try and put Beckert on the practice squad.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say that's the most likely outcome.
0: I think Jake Dolgala is cut after the first preseason
1: game. Uh, maybe even sooner if Rodgers is back on day one.
0: All right. Running back Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, their jobs are obviously safe. I think I think for a lot of these, we're not really going to talk about the guys who are for sure locks. Right. For running back number three, my prediction is I think that job is going to be won by Patrick Taylor. I think he's just the most complete running back. I think he has shown he is a very capable blocker. Uh, A great downhill runner. He um, can really uh, be dangerous in the receiving game. Patrick Taylor, to me, you got to remember, at one point, Memphis had five NFL running backs in their room at at one time. And I think uh, writers at that point who were analyzing that running back room said that Patrick Taylor was the best guy of the bunch. Uh, Unfortunately, he has dealt with just a lot of injuries. He's uh, messed up his foot has not been able to get back on the field since then. Uh, But I I think that Patrick Taylor has a lot of similarities to Jamal Williams. I think Jamal is kind of one of the first guys that I think of when I'm looking at the skill set that Patrick Taylor has and what he's done in the past. Um, Kylan Hill, I think, really was drafted with the intention of having him contribute on special teams. Uh, Goody even uh, hinted at that. And I would like to see the Packers keep four running backs, but I just don't know that they have room to do that. So Kylan Hill, to me, I think projects as maybe a practice squad guy, because I don't think that there's a role for him on the offense right now until he learns to pass block, which he's terrible at, and learns to uh, contribute in the in the receiving game.
1: See, I think you're right about Patrick Taylor probably being uh, – having the most potential this year to be the third down mm-hmm. back to be the receiver out of the backfield. His pass protection needs work also. And and you know that to me out of the three remaining running backs that we're looking at, Taylor, Hill and and Dexter Williams, the one who pass blocks and 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 shows that they can be a, a reliable receiver, you know, whoever wins those two categories has the best chance to stick on the roster. I think Hill is on the practice squad. If he doesn't make the roster Dexter Williams, I think either he makes the roster or we're probably saying goodbye to him.
0: I think that's, I think that's accurate. I think everything you said is correct. Uh, t- to me, Patrick Taylor is just quite a bit ahead of Kylan Hill. So I think, I think unless backers are concerned about Hill, not making it through waivers and getting signed by some other team. I think Taylor wins the job, but uh, we'll see, you know, Kylan Hill does have all summer or the rest of the summer to, uh, keep developing himself and 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 he is very lethal in the running game. No question. Uh, I, I think uh, a year or two down the road, maybe Kylan's uh, ceiling is substantially higher than Patrick Taylor's. I'm just nervous that, you know, we've seen from other running backs who could only contribute in the running game and were fantastic runners that they did not get on the field at all because Matt LaFleur is so adamant that you have to be, um, able to do those other things as well in order to earn snaps. So, so that I think, I think I'm only reserving three running back spots on this roster because there's so many other needs I'd like to keep four. Cause I think Taylor and Hill are, are both um, valuable people to keep on there. But, but the other thing is on special teams, I think you have other guys who really can contribute and make up for, the Kylan Hill factor. I think we've already heard that Mario Rogers is supposed to be the uh, primary returner on special teams. So unless something happens to him, I think that makes Kylan Hill a little bit more expendable.
1: We'll see. I, I you know, I like Taylor. I think he's the best receiver out of the three. The whole key is going to be pass protection because regardless of whether it's Rogers or love, you know, they need time to throw. And the one who can pass protect the best is going to have a big leg up.
0: At wide receiver, the average over the last 10 years is not even six. It's actually 5.6. So I don't see them keeping seven. They have kept seven one year. That was in 2016. And then they kept eight in 2018. Uh, But we all know how that went. (laughs) Usually the number is five and occasionally a six. And I think looking at the guys you have in that room, you got to keep six because the talent, look, as much as people like to dog the Packers wide receivers, this is a stacked room this year. You got four guys right at the top who I think are locks. I think they would have to be really injured in order to not be on the roster week one. Devontae, MVS, Lazard, and Amari Rogers. He was a third-round pick. So behind them, I think you have two more wide receiver roster spots to give. And I think that those roster spots are being fought over by Devin Funches. Malik Taylor and EQ. And I have a Malik Taylor really high on my list because I he made that. the roster last year. Uh, Lafleur really likes him. I think he is a special teams ace. However, we have more guys. Again, we have more guys who can contribute on special teams. And I think maybe at the end of this, I'll, I'll go through the list and point out guys who I think all have a shot at making the roster just because they're special teams contributions. And I think hearing all those guys listed together, you'll go, okay, um, yeah, it's definitely valid, but probably only for a couple of them, because not all of these guys are going to make the roster just for the special teams contributions. So I think those three guys are all battling out for probably two roster spots. And behind them, I think there's one other guy worth really mentioning, and that's Juwan Winfrey. Sounds Mm -hmm. like he's having a fantastic offseason, I think. And I'm not sure if he has any practice squad eligibility remaining. I think he does. I think Uh, so. I think he's going to end up on the practice squad. I don't think he can beat out uh, Devin Funchess, Andy Q and Malik Taylor for roster spot number six. Um, I, But it sounds like he's a guy that they really like. You know, they did give him a shot. They called him up for the practice squad last year. I think he played in the 49ers game. Did pretty well. I think he caught like one pass, um, but he has always impressed in practices.
1: Yeah, I think Winfrey is an up and comer, and and you know he, I think is it's him or Malik Taylor, I think for one of those final spots. If I had to uh, to judge it, and right now I think they're they're at least talking Winfrey up to the media. I'll say that much.
0: I think I think I would be surprised if Funchess does not make the roster. Me too. So let's pencil him in. I think you're looking. You have five guys who we have pretty much inked in. And you got one more remaining roster spot for either Malik Taylor, EQ, or maybe Jawan Winfrey. And I, I don't think anybody else has a shot at that sixth spot. And I think EQ maybe is on the outside looking in behind those other two guys just because he hasn't shown anything in forever. And I think the one thing he has going for him which he has cashed in on a lot over the last three years is that he was a sixth round draft pick or was he a fifth round or a sixth round? I think it was a six. I round believe it's
1: six. Yeah. Yeah. And that
0: does count for something, but he's also cashed that chip in quite a few times now. And I think we were all pretty underwhelmed with what he put on the field last year.
1: Yeah. And he's got to stay healthy. I think injuries have slowed him down and hurt his development. Uh, this is sort of the make or break year for EQ. If he, if he doesn't show it now, he he'll be done in Green Bay if he doesn't have a good training camp and whether he'll hook on with another team that that, that'll be the Lions will sign the
0: Lions Lions will always sign any ex-packer
1: right especially (laughs) a skill player
0: well okay here's something about wide receiver six this is true about every wide receiver six they have to contribute on special teams yes Malik Taylor is a special teams ace I think you look at Taylor versus EQ. Look, I like Juwan Winfrey, but I think when you're looking at what, what guys can do on special teams, I don't think he's in the same tier physically as Taylor and EQ. These guys are huge and really fast, and that goes a long way. They're both really good blockers. I think Malik Taylor is a slightly better blocker than EQ, but they're both good. EQ is just a physical freak. and
1: He's got the size. Um, he, he has got the size, but then here's the thing if If Funches makes the roster, he has a similar skill set to eq he's sort of like the well, he more, more skill set
0: to al Mazzard.
1: right but but you don't need three of that player that no, type, that no you don't. But,
0: but how much of Al Mazzard are you gonna see on special teams and I don't think you're gonna see like hardly anything of devin Funches on special teams no, I don't think so either. So to me, I'm I'm given the inside track to Malik Taylor. I have him penciled in as my wide receiver six. Who's your wide receiver six? Uh, I think
1: it's going to be Winfrey.
0: You think it's going to be? Well, that'll be interesting. I definitely have Winfrey as a lock for the practice squad.
1: I would too if he doesn't make the roster.
0: But it'd be interesting to see if he's this year's Travis Fulgham. You know, we got a stacked room. Some other right. wide receiver needy team scoops him up, and and he you know, he's off to the races. Yeah, I, I think we've seen the last of Reggie Begelton. I don't think I see a ton in Bailey Gaither, a UDFA from this year. I think maybe he's either one of those guys could end up on the practice squad. Uh, I don't see anything from Chris Blair, and I'm shocked that DeAndre Tompkins is still on the team. I don't think DeAndre Tompkins brings anything to the conversation. I almost don't even have him on my 90 man roster, but technically he is on there. <laughs>
1: I don't look. He's a long shot. No question about it. I don't want to disparage his talent, but yeah, he's a long shot. He and Blair, I think are long shots to make the team
0: tight end. I think is the hardest position harder than, than quarterback for sure. uh, For me to figure out because over the years, the number of tight ends that we keep is four. You got a couple of threes. You got one, five, but it's four. And You have such a weird situation there because Jace Sternberger, who we already have heard is, you know, not uh, on the greatest of of terms with the coaching staff. He's suspended for the first two games of the season, which means he's maybe I I think he has to count against the 53 because you can't I mean, he's suspended. It's a punishment. You can't like put him on IR or anything. No, no, no. He wouldn't count.
1: He wouldn't count against the 53 while he's suspended. He would not, I think you have to keep him on the 53 when you make your first cuts, but then I'm pretty sure he doesn't count against the 53 for those two games. And I'll say this, the Sternberger suspension leads me to believe there's two factors that lead me to believe they keep five tight ends. I also
0: think they keep five, but it's, it's tough because you got to take a position from somewhere.
1: Yeah. You have to take one from somewhere. I think they keep five because a Sternberger won't count against the 53 for the first two games and b The tight end position really also, it really is also your fullback because some of these guys are going to play an H-back position. So you, I see on your chart, you have no fullbacks listed because there are no true fullbacks on this roster. But one of the tight ends is really going to be, right, is really going to be an H-back slash fullback. And that's why I think we keep five from this room.
0: Yeah, so we know that the Packers have three distinct tight end roles. We talked about this last week. I'll just refresh it. We have the Y tight end. That would be Mercedes Lewis. They are used uh, in the blocking game and very short passing game. Then you have what they call their dual tight end. Just think Robert Tunyon, Jimmy Graham, Jay Sternberger. That's their dual. He's uh, definitely a blocker, uh, but use a lot in the receiving game, especially in the red zone. Uh, And then you have that H back, which the Packers call their F. And that would be Josiah DeGuara and Dominique Daphne. And Daphne is that guy that we're talking about, you know, week one and week two, you can't have Jay Sternberg because he's suspended by the NFL. So you have three tight ends, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, and Josiah Deguara. And you need, uh, you need Dominique Daphne in there as well. I think, I yeah. think they're going to keep five tight ends, but here, so here's something interesting because the very next position we're going to be talking about is offensive line. And, There, you got David Bakhtiari's probably starting the year off on IR. Now, he's going to have to be on the initial 53, but then they can immediately put him on IR if he's not ready to play.
1: Or he could start the season on the PUP list.
0: You know, I thought about that, and so I went and refreshed myself on the PUP rules. You want to hear them? They're they're not very nice. (laughs) No, they're not. No, they're not. Okay, so uh, I thought about it, uh, and somebody on on Twitter, uh, Katie, brought it up, and we had a good little talk about it, and then – um, we both determined. You know what? Uh, we think this does not fit Bakhtiari's situation very well. Did I? I, I thought I hit the right tab. But I didn't. Okay, here it is. So you you can't play or practice for the first six weeks of the season when you're on the pup list. Right after that, you have. Damn, I lost it. You have a,
1: a three-week window, if three, I recall correctly.
0: You have a six-week window. Oh, six in weeks. which you can do one of three things. The player can return to practice and they don't count against the roster. And that can last for a max of up to three weeks. Right. At which point you have to either put them on the, on permanent IR for the you know, season ending IR, or they had to return to the active roster. Okay. Uh, also in that six weeks, the other two options are you can move them to season ending IR, or you can release the player. So Diary would not be allowed to play. For the first six weeks of the season, and then he'd have a a, another six week window in which they could activate a three week window of him being allowed to practice, but he can't even practice for those first six weeks. So if they think that he is going to be ready to practice for the first six weeks, uh, I think that they can't justify putting him on the pup list. Right.
1: And and if they do put him on the pup list, that is a sign that his injury, is, you know, his his rehab from the injury is going slower than anyone is at least publicly saying right now.
0: Yeah, that would that would really stink. Um, uh, We there are two more tight ends to talk about um, that are both, I think, you know, practice squad candidates. One of them is Isaac Nauta, who's uh, kind of a smaller guy. I think he uh, fits. I think he. Definitely fits the Jay Sternberger and Robert Tunyon role. But mm-hmm. Bronson Kafusi is an interesting guy because he's kind of the only other option that we have for that Y tight end in the blocking game. He's a former defensive lineman.
1: This yeah, and he's really 30. He's really
0: interesting. He is. I don't think you're looking at a really long-term career for him in Green Bay. And it's one of those where it's it's kind of like uh, Yash Nijman, where you're just like, hmm, why, why is he still around? He's been around for forever. Why do they still keep him? I don't know. I'd like to see something out of him.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, he he's a converted defensive lineman, moves to tight end. Uh the Jets did that last year. This isn't something the Packers are just mm-hmm. doing out of the blue. Uh 30 years old and yeah, I mean, it's not like you plan to stash a 30-year-old on the practice squad for another year or two and hope he develops. It's it's more or less that, you know, he needs to show you something this year. To, to really make the team. He can make the practice squad one year, but I can't see them holding a spot for him beyond that because he's not that much of a developmental kind of guy.
0: At Offensive Line, your questions start after John Runyon. So you got some guys who I think will make the will make the roster are two rookies from this year, Royce Newman and Cole Van Lannan. More questions about Cole Van Lannan than Royce Newman. I think Royce Newman certainly makes the roster. Mm-hmm. And then you got Ben Braden, who when you and I last went through offensive line, neither of us spent much time talking about him. But since then, um, we've learned that he's apparently the next man up at left tackle behind Elton and Billy Turner. And the Packers are talking him up like he's going to make the roster. So, listen, we got to take about their word. So we're putting Ben Braden, I think, on our list of we think he's going to make the team. He did play a, a decent number of snaps last year. Simon Stepniak, I think, is another guy that I'm giving a spot to, but if not, then he's definitely a practice squad guy. Yeah, Lucas Patrick is the big question because I don't know that what what the Packers I think really need is some more depth at uh, the the two tackle positions and probably at center. I don't think you need any more right guards. We have a lot of right guards. And although (laughs) Lucas Patrick certainly can play center, he does not excel at it. And I think we have two guys ahead of him that are substantially better centers. And the biggest thing with Lucas Patrick is he's one of the few guys left on the team that you could cut and save some money. He's only got $118,000 in dead cap cap and you free up, Almost 2 million. It's like $1.975 million by moving on from Lucas Patrick. I think on my chart, he's the only guy that I listed as a cap casualty.
1: It could happen. Uh, They like versatility, but right now there is a lot of depth and versatility at interior, uh, you know, guard slash center. You got a lot of guys there who can fit the bill. Uh, You know, Runyon can play tackle and guard. Newman can play both. Van Lannan uh, can play both. Braden can play guard or tackle. Uh, But then, you know, and Alton Jenkins can play center. So you got a lot of uh, a a lot of different possibilities out there uh, to mix and match. So, you know, Lucas Patrick, if they do need to save a couple of bucks, it's possible. I think they'll keep him around one more year, but we'll see.
0: Offensive line, I went ahead and gave another spot to. So typically, they the average is 8.6 offensive linemen over the years. They have had just two years in the last decade where they kept 10 offensive linemen. One was 2010. One was 2017. Every other year, it's almost always nine. Once in a great while, it's eight. And then bizarrely, in 2012, they kept seven. I think they're keeping 10 this year. And I think you have to unless you feel like Bakhtiari is starting and is at 100% in week one. I think you have to keep 10 offensive linemen in any other scenario.
1: I think so, too. I think that injury definitely affects the way they go about crafting this line. Mm
0: -hmm. I think so, too. And I think that Bakhtiari's injury, I think that his injury costs somebody else on the roster, not at offensive line, their job. I think that... It maybe costs uh, running back number four a job, maybe uh, Jace or Daphne. I don't see a lot of other positions on the roster that you can take a guy away from. Basically, your options are quarterback, running back, wide receiver, maybe tight end. Or I would say the only other spot is outside linebacker. And we're actually keeping um, less than the average number of wide receivers on this 53. We have, for outside linebacker, Roushan and Zadarius obviously are going to make it. Preston's going to be there. Behind them, you got, there's only four other guys on the roster. Three of them, I think, are all duking it out for uh, outside linebacker number four. You got typical Leia, and something he's got going for him, besides being a really good player, is he's really lean and small. And what we keep hearing is that that is the kind of outside linebacker that Joe Barry really likes. So I think, you know, maybe that's his in on the roster, but Randy Ramsey, uh, looked really good in preseason last year. Um, I have to see how he looks this year. He did play a little bit in the regular season last year, did not get a lot of snaps. Uh, same thing with Jonathan Garvin. The difference between those two guys is that Garvin played the most snaps in week eight and nine. And then after that he was inactive the entire year. And this wasn't an injury thing. Whereas right. Randy Ramsey didn't play a lot in the first couple of weeks and then after that he still played a small handful of snaps every single game for the whole year right up to the very end for that reason i have ramsey substantially ahead of garvin and i'd probably give the edge to typical Leia if he can stay healthy and that's a big if
1: that's a big if and i think i think injury will affect the last uh player who gets selected on this list
0: uh let's look at d-line very related Kenny Kingsley, obviously going to be there. Dean Lowry, sure seems like he's going to be there. They restructured his contract, so you really can't move on from him, even though we thought possibly they might. TJ Slayton, I don't know what what kind of a role he's going to have in his rookie season, but I can tell you he's going to have a roster spot. I think uh, typically they keep 5.6 D linemen on the roster. Well, for the last few years, it has been so thin. Last year, when they put the 53 together, I think every single guy on the roster made it, because I think they only had... Um, five D linemen on the roster. I don't think anybody uh, didn't make the cut. I don't know why they feel so comfortable flying so close to the sun on D line. In (laughs) fact, last year they brought in Billy Price and Anthony Rush in the middle of the season. They both, um, well, Billy Price played quite a few snaps. He was very, very good. Anthony Rush played like a snap. I think both (laughs) those guys are gone. They're not in the roster anymore. So your options are Tyler Lancaster, who I think gets the job. Willington Prevlon, who we've like not seen at all. And Jack Heflin, a 2021 UDFA. I think he's out of Iowa State, but I'm not looking it up. I think it's pretty cut and dry. It's Tyler Lancaster. I don't think the other two guys. Um Jack Heflin probably makes the practice squad. I don't know if Willington Prevalent has any practice squad eligibility left anymore.
1: I think he does. He was an undrafted free agent last year. So you know, maybe
0: maybe he maybe he makes the practice squad then. I, I think they're gonna they I can't predict that they're gonna go get some more help. Because I've been saying for two years they need to go get help and they never do, so I can't predict it anymore. <laughs> but gosh, I wish they would. <laughs> yeah, no, I
1: understand. Look, I understand gonna fully. Hurt.
0: Guys are going to get hurt. Go get us some depth. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but how do you really feel?
0: Oh, it's exhausting arguing with myself over here where Goody can't even hear me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll inside fix that, inside linebacker. This is another situation of um, too many guys, not enough seats, and also, eh, you know the talent level is nothing to write home about. I think the only guy whose job is hundred percent secure is Kamal Martin. Cause he was a fifth round pick last year. I think as you, it's almost a lock that Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell make it. Uh, but I wouldn't say they're as secure as Kamal Martin is. I think Kamal Martin could like do anything. He'd still make the roster, but Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell are going to be there. I think, Those two guys are probably going to be your starters. I think Kamal Martin is somebody they're going to keep hanging on to developmentally, and they want to turn him into a freak because he has that within him. I think at inside linebacker, you also have, look, Ty Summers continues to impress, you know, in OTAs and in the preseason and all the practices and stuff. That's always where he's been good. And then when you get to the actual regular season, you can't really count on him for much. Do you think Ty Summers makes the roster, or, or does he get beat out by Isaiah McDuffie? And also, what do you do with Oren Burks?
1: Well, the whole thing about Burks and Summers, if they make the ro- I think one of them will make the roster predominantly because of special teams. That is where they excel. Uh, Summers, to me, has the edge over Burks only because I think he has a little bit more upside with one less season under his belt. But overall, uh, it, it, it's going to be a tough situation. McDuffie is a practice squad candidate if he doesn't make the roster. And again, special teams will probably be if the, if McDuffie shows in training camp and in preseason that he's good to go on special teams, that makes it easier to let go of Oren Burks.
0: Yeah, I think I'm giving personally. I'm giving the nod to McDuffie over Summers and Burks. Uh, but you never know. I, I think I think McDuffie, the job might be McDuffie's to lose because he's a draft pick from this year. He might have to really stink it up in training camp. Uh, I don't know that Ty Summers or Oren Burks could win the job necessarily, but I think McDuffie could certainly lose it. That That's my personal stance. I don't feel super strongly on it. Sounds like you and I disagree a little bit on that, and I'm okay with it because inside linebacker number four is kind of a messy spot anyways, and definitely has a lot more to do with special teams than anything else. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. You got uh cornerback. Cornerback is similar and different to inside linebacker in that you got a lot of talent in that room and probably not a lot of jobs to hand out. And I think you're cutting guys that you would really would like to hold on to Jair Stokes and Jean Charles, I think are all locks to make the 53 man roster. I think Kevin King and Chandon Sullivan are as close to locks as you can get without actually locking them in. I'm going to put them in that next tier down. And then you got – look, over the last 10 years, they have pretty much exclusively kept six cornerbacks on the roster every year. I think that's not going to be any different this year, even though they have a lot of depth in that room. So cornerback number six, you got Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, KB on Ento, and Stanford Samuels all vying for that sixth cornerback spot. If I was the defensive coordinator, I'm handing the job to KB on Ento. I, I, I'm just trying to read the tea leaves of Joe Barry, though, and it, I think he – I think he is uh, buying into the Josh Jackson hype because of uh, his his, his uh, draft pedigree, because of his athleticism. Sounds like Joe Barry really feels like he can turn Josh Jackson around. My prediction is Josh Jackson gets the job. I would give the job to KB on Ento, and I've always been a Kadar Holman fan as well.
1: I like Kadar Holman also. Look, to me, the way that Joe Barry defense works and has been described to me, if Josh Jackson can't excel in this defense. He doesn't belong in the national football league, right? You know, this is a zone heavy defense. He's a zone heavy kind of a guy. So, you know, I would rather keep either Ento or Holman, to be honest with you, uh, out of all these guys on the list to me, Josh Jackson, I I'm losing patience with him, but I'd love for him to prove me wrong. And, you know, it, it just looks like this defense is Tailor made for his skill set, but he has to go out and prove that he can do it. And so far he really hasn't
0: one more. And that's safety. All right. Darnell and Amos, they're locks. I think Vernon Scott gets a roster spot this year. Uh, they, the average number of safeties they keep is four and a half, but we've already given jobs away from other positions this year. I think, I think uh, we can't afford to keep five safeties. So the question is, do you give safety spot number four to Henry black, Will Redmond, uh, 2021 undrafted free agent, Christian Uphoff, or do you consider in his My answer, I think is probably Henry Black, but there's a really good special teams case to be made for Will Redmond.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the difference. I think Black has more upside as a safety in the defense, but, uh, Redmond is probably one of their best, if not their best special teams coverage guy. And I think he sticks around one more year.
0: All right. Uh, only other note to say about the roster is I think Hunter Bradley's going to lose his job. I think he's too expensive without being I don't think he gives you any value above replacement. And he's significantly more expensive than your average long snapper. Uh, I do, I think J.K. Scott and Mason Crosby come back. I'm not worried about them losing their jobs. But I did mention I want to go through and just point out the guys that we keep saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, special teams, special teams. All right. Uh, Christian Uphoff. Henry Black and Will Redmond. Those guys are all tossed around all the time as, you know, well, their special teams contribu- contributions will be awesome. Vernon mm-hmm. Scott. Vernon Scott ha- has been a special team's ace for us, no question. Yes. Josh, Josh Jackson and Jan Sullivan play substantial snaps on special teams already, as does Kadar Holman. Stanford Samuels did. Uh, you had Delonte Scott and Jonathan Garvin and Ramsey. Randy Ramsey were all on special teams last year. Oren Burks and Ty Summers play a stupid amount of special teams. And part of why it's stupid (laughs) is because they're not that great on it. (laughs) Um, You got, uh, I mean, don't forget, you know, you got to have big guys up front, you know, blocking for, uh, for punting and, and uh,
1: And run Runyon did a lot of that last year. Runyon
0: did a lot of that. Lucas Patrick did a lot of that actually Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. that I think that was look, Lucas Patrick was phenomenal. And we talked uh, to great lengths last year about, how much of a step back special teams took um, on, on kicking field goals and extra points when they had to, I forget who the injury was to. Maybe it was because of Bakhtiari, but Lucas Patrick had a bigger role on offense. And so they weren't using him on special teams anymore. And Tyler Lancaster was filling in for Lucas Patrick and he was not, and it was a disaster. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. So Lucas Patrick, big special teams contributor, Tyler Lancaster, special teams contributor. Um, you have a handful of other offensive and defensive linemen that always fill in. But we're, we're looking more at those guys that you would say like, oh, well, you know, you'd keep Malik Taylor because of special teams. All right. Dominique Daphne got a role on offense because of special teams. I think he's still going to be a special teams guy this year. Uh, Juwan Winfrey a little bit. He had Malik Taylor and EQ uh, played substantial snaps on special teams. He had Tyler Irvin last year. I think this year you're trying to make that argument for Kylan Hill, Dexter Williams, Patrick Taylor. So my point is, yeah, all these guys you can say, well, I think we'll keep them because of special teams. But the problem is you can't say that about everybody. So I think they need to also bring something else or you can't have somebody else with a similar skill set to them that could replace them on special teams. That's the only point I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah. And it, it obviously complicates things. And, and look, injuries will decide some of these things. Uh, you know, there will be players that will get crossed off the list because they are not available. And, uh, that's always sort of the wild card in all of this.
0: Well, listen, we are way over time today because this was a fascinating subject. I, I had a blast talking about both quarterback and the 53. We got to uh, do our debate and get out of here. So let's take a look at the uh, schedule for this week. And, uh, I, I, I'm not used to picking first. Usually you get to pick first because I kick your butt the previous week. But, you know, this week. It,
1: revenge is sweet.
0: <laughs> All right. Look, looking at the regular season. I think we're going to take care of business week one against the Saints. I think they're too much of a mess. Maybe now, again, you say. We're assuming
1: that? Aaron Rodgers starts week one, correct?
0: Absolutely. That that okay. If Rodgers is not the starter, you got to throw everything we're saying out the window because it's a totally different ball game. I think we take care of business week one against the saints. I think they're a mess. I don't, I don't think they're going to pull it off week two. The lions are going to be one of the worst teams in the league week three, San Francisco 49ers. To me, a big part of this is going to depend on who's starting at quarterback for them. Is it going to be Jimmy G? Is it going to be Trey Lance week three is tough. And the following week after that, you got the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just, I, I, I never bet on the Packers to beat the 49ers. I'm taking week three against the Niners. We have such a long, bad history of brutal losses against the Niners. And, yeah, we stomped them last year, but they didn't have, like, any of their starters. Yeah. And if Trey Lance is the starter, I just – I can't shake yeah. – you know, those mobile quarterbacks give me so much PTSD against the Packers, <laughs> yeah. especially when they wear a 49ers jersey. Uh, this could be a kind of an ugly loss. Could be a close loss. I just – I think looking at the first several weeks of the year, if they don't lose this game, I'm not sure when they lose it because they got kind of an easy gambit after that. Now I will point out later on the year, we do play the Arizona Cardinals. So maybe there's a silver lining to this. Maybe a loss to a mobile Trey Lance in week three in some way helps them be prepared for going up against Kyler Murray uh, when they play Arizona in week eight. But I'm definitely putting my stamp on week three. I think this is going to be the year when we don't see uh, the Packers win their first three games, uh, which they have the last two years against or under Lafleur. week three to me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be dreading that. I will watch it because I have to because of the podcast, but it's not one I'm going to be looking forward to.
1: I think it goes a week later than that. I think week four against the Steelers is where we end up losing our first game. I know it's at home and we don't lose often at home, But I think, you know, we'll be coming off the national television game against San Francisco the week before. And I I just get the feeling that, you know, Big Ben will have just enough in him and that Pittsburgh defense is pretty tough. So uh, I I think that that's where we lose our first game.
0: I I can understand that for sure. I I do really question what that offense is going to be able to do, even though they have a fantastic defense. Yeah, they're bringing in Najee Harris to hopefully reinvigorate the run game. I, I just don't know that Big Ben has it in him, and like you said, it is at home. I think that home field advantage against the Steelers and and I, I think that they, you know, look, we beat him in the Super Bowl and that shouldn't impact things, but psychology comes into play a lot in football. I think going into Green Bay is gonna be very intimidating for them and and similarly, I think marching into Levi Stadium for like the fourth time in the last uh four years. <laughs> Ugh, which is just it'll, ridiculous. It, it, it's, it's, it'll feel it's like home. I feel like prison more like it. I, I don't know why we always have to go out to San Francisco. Let it come here for once. Sheesh. Yeah, be
1: nice. It will right. be
0: nice. Time for you guys to weigh in. Uh, and and also, uh, we have a listener survey that we want you to fill out as well. Thank you to uh, everybody who did fill that out last week. We want more responses because we are contemplating some big changes to the format of the show. And so we want you guys to weigh in and help us make those decisions. What stuff do you like? What do you not like? Uh, we got some got some uh, pretty clear feedback last week from the people who did, who did respond about what segments they do and don't like. So everybody else who has not yet weighed in, um, you know, changes changes are, are probably coming for a year or two of the, of the uh, No Huddle Radio podcast. And we want to make sure that we are putting together uh, exactly what you're interested in hearing. So very important, and, and we do super appreciate everybody for um, helping us out with that. Link is in the in the show notes. Uh, you can go to uh, uh, PackersTalk.com and click on the most recent episode of No Huddle Radio, and you're going to find a link to it uh, right there. And you can also go to DailyCheese.News slash survey for the No Huddle Radio Listener Survey. And go to Twitter and uh, vote on the poll for this week's debate. Go check out at JJ Leahy and at Gil Packers. We're both going to pin the polls at the top of our profiles and help us figure out, uh, you know, which which of us do you think won this debate? That does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, You can also send in questions to us at askmortuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go.
1: Go Pack Go.
0: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio
1: Network.